Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stories and Stuff with John, the episode where I'm John, I tell you stories, and I talk about stuff. Uh, welcome to the show. This is a special holiday-themed episode. Um, the story that we have for you today is not so much a story as it is a stuff, and it's my thoughts about what I consider to be the worst Christmas song of all time. Stay tuned for that in a minute, but first, just a couple of uh, housekeeping things to take care of. First of all, I want to apologize for the sound on this episode. The podcast mic that I had borrowed and was using just stopped working. So I'm using the good old in-computer mic, and that obviously affects how I sound. Um, but I also want to thank you for those of you who have um, approached me or sent in good feedback about the show. I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad that you're appreciating the stories and enjoying it and listening with family and friends even. That's fun. What would really be helpful for me is if you um, subscribed on Apple Podcasts and even left a little review that helps bump things up, gets the show more attention, and possibly then I can um, do more stuff with it couple of things that I've been thinking about. I recently read that uh, the price of apple pie in Jamaica is like $2.50 a slice. Uh, but then over in Barbados, it's like $3.50 a slice. So, yeah, those are the um, pie rates of the Caribbean. Right. Now that I've lost all goodwill that you had for me, we're going to move on to this week's stuff here after the break. And then after the stuff, stay tuned for feedback from last week's show and the question of the week. Hope you enjoy. Christmas is nearly here. In fact, it feels like it's been here for months. It's true. Every year, it seems like it starts earlier. Stores are putting out Christmas stuff before Halloween. Fourth of July is now having to be like, watch it Christmas, don't come any closer, this is my time. Over there, it's your time. But here, it's my time. It's my time right here. The Fourth of July really likes the Goonies. But I'd be okay if Christmas sort of took over. Life is getting intense. We could use a bit more Christmas. Maybe have a summer Christmas and a winter Christmas, I don't know. I have to commend the British here on how they celebrate the holidays. I'm currently experiencing my first Christmas in America since 2008, and I have to say that the general mood and aura of things pales in comparison to the British version. I mean, being with my family here is going to top all of it, but in terms of going all out as a culture, Britain just does it better. Their decorations, the traditional foods, it's better. Sorry, America. My last time to be in Britain for Christmas was 2017, and since then I have sorely missed the glory of the admittedly German-style Christmas market set up in every town, the mulled wine, the carol service, the beauty of Boxing Day and the Boxing Day walk. Imagine, it's the biggest holiday of the year, and they give you two days off instead of just the one. But I do have a couple of complaints about British Christmas, mainly the music. Modern British Christmas music has provided us with some pretty big clunkers. For example, Do They Know It's Christmas, which if you remember was British music's answer to We Are the World. Okay, points for earnestness, and it was made for a good cause. And Yeah, it's probably less terrible than its American counterpart, but 
But I just can't get past that moment when Bono sings to his family about the starving Africans and passionately declares, I thank God it's them instead of you. To which all the Africans say, hey, not cool, Bono. Not cool. I mean, I think, sure, love your family, but how about imagining a scenario where no one starves? I'm just spitballing here. But that's just warm up to the worst offender in the Christmas canon. Last Christmas, by the troubadours that make up the classic duo Wham. I, I find it really difficult to talk about that song. It makes me very angry. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to somebody special. I mean, the nerve. I'm already livid. But I sense that you guys might not really understand my reaction here. Fair enough. The Brits, however, seem to be catching on to this song's awfulness. There's actually a game called Whamageddon in Britain, going from December 1st to December 24th, in which you see who can go the longest without hearing the original version of this song anywhere. The goal is to be the one who avoids it for the longest. The game has a website and everything. Let's take a minute and analyze. Why is Last Christmas so bad? We start with the chorus. Last Christmas, he took his heart and he gave it away to this girl. Let's call her, I don't know, Kathy. Kathy now has his heart. Presumably, Kathy accepted it. She now, by mutual agreement of two parties, has his heart. She has his heart. And the next day, the very next day, according to the singer, she comes to her senses and gives his heart, again, according to the singer, not back to him, but to someone else. The very next day, you gave it away to, let's say, Margaret. So now we have a situation that the very day after he declares his love for Kathy, suddenly his love and allegiance now belong to Margaret. He now loves Margaret, not Kathy. And this is somehow Kathy's fault, right? Am I misunderstanding something? He's blaming her for his wandering heart? I do not like the cut of this man's jib. His jib, it is cut all wrong from where I'm standing. It is a badly cut jib. Very inappropriate cut to the jib. I'm seeing from here a jib in need of much improvement as far as its cutting goes, right? Anyway, poor Kathy. He declares his love for her. She accepts it. She is likely thrilled. This might be the man she's been dreaming of, and she goes to sleep that night giddy with the realization that this year Father Christmas has brought her true love. But the very next day, his heart has meandered. Margaret, Margaret shows up. She bats an eye, laughs at his jokes, and already he forgets the feelings that he had declared to poor smitten Kathy. Now he loves Margaret, and this, this is Kathy's fault? Kathy's? Really? And then he has the audacity, an inherently funny word, audacity, the audacity to say, well, next year, instead of giving it to you, Kathy, I'll give it to somebody special. Now that is a low, underhanded blow. Kathy, 
If you're out there, you need to know you are special. You are special and you can do better. Now, maybe you can see why this makes me angry, but I think we need to dig deeper. When does this incident take place? Last Christmas. Now, that could mean either last Christmas season, which officially starts, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, any earlier, and you are clearly out of the will of God. And it runs until January 2nd or 6th or thereabouts. So we're either talking about the Christmas season in general, or it could mean specifically Christmas Day. So he either means last Christmas season at some point, likely in December, I gave you my heart. Or last December 25th, I gave you my heart. Or perhaps January 6th, if George Michael is Russian Orthodox. Uh, But the evidence suggests that he was not. So last December 25th or last Christmas season. I think the choice is actually clear. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And the very next day, you gave it away. So I think that implies that this happened on Christmas Day. You can't go from a general vague time of a season to a specific next day. A lyrical poet like George Michael understands this. So this story happened on Christmas Day. And um, why isn't this guy with his family? Why is he out on a date? Why has he chosen this day, this high-pressure day, to declare his love for Kathy? So what probably happened here was that she felt pressured to say yes, so as not to ruin the holiday. She's not heartless, Kathy, uh, knowing she had to find a Margaret to take his heart away from her on Boxing Day. But he's skipped Christmas with his family to meet with some girl he hasn't even made a commitment to yet. Think of his poor mother slaving there over the stove, stuffing the turkey, making the Yorkshire puddings from scratch. She's she's not the kind to use ready mix, and you know it. She's taking her time from scratch, all the while looking longingly at a picture of her boy when he was younger, hoping against hope that he will show up for Christmas dinner, only to have those hopes dashed. That monster. And what about his father? His dad? His, His dad? His his dad. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe he doesn't have a dad. Maybe he doesn't have a mom. Maybe this song takes place in an orphanage. This this is an orphan song. Somehow that makes it better. He he's a boy in an orphanage and he's declaring his love for another orphan and they're spending christmas day alone in this orphanage hoping that kathy can fill the place in his heart that can really only be filled by parents and and maybe maybe kathy knows this and she's trying to find him parents and she has found him parents it's a surprise they are coming the very next day the very next day she will give his heart to a new family it's it's beautiful but i'm not sure it holds up thinking about it surprisingly few wham songs are about orphan care i can only think of one other it's well i think it's maybe a sequel to this one it's about the day of adoption 
A child still unadopted in the orphanage is asking his friend, who's about to leave with his new family, to wake him up to say goodbye, to wake him up before he go-go. So poignant. Okay, anyway, he's not an orphan. But I want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, though. He never actually says he skipped out on family for the holiday, so maybe, maybe he is with his family. That's it. Maybe he is spending the day with family, and he's chosen that day to declare his love for Kathy because... because it's the only time of year when he gets to see Kathy, because she's his cousin, Kathy. Kathy is some distant cousin, and he has a little crush, and this awkward year, he tells her, and she, not wanting to make the family interactions any more uncomfortable today on Christmas Day, pretends to be okay with it, and then sets him up with a friend the next day. Orphan care, cousin crushes, jerks who don't see their families on Christmas. As you can see, there are a lot of depths to mine, a lot of feelings to feel in the first two lines of the chorus alone. I shouldn't be angry. Wham truly were pioneers and poets, you know? Maybe, maybe I should stop going to the mall in December. Okay, first of all, I just want to say that I actually am doing okay. That was just my thoughts on last Christmas, and I hope you enjoyed them. Um, before we jump into the feedback, you may have noticed that I haven't mentioned anything about having a guest this week. That's because I don't have a guest this week. I just wanted to get this story out, this stuff out to you before I went on Christmas travels. So I hope you enjoyed it. We will return with some guests in January. I have some good ones lined up, some good stories, some interesting people. Uh, last week, we were talking about music, and I was sharing with you guys some of the music that made my year. We talked about Natalie Bergman's Mercy as being one of the top things. I thought of another one uh, that really stood out, and I hadn't thought of it last week because I was just looking over my Spotify, when in fact I actually own this album, and it's Five Iron Frenzies Until This Shakes Apart. Now, this is uh, Five Iron Frenzies' second full project since they reformed. They also did an EP. I didn't care for the EP or the first project that much. It didn't really stick with me. But I'd say that this new album is one of the two or three best things they've ever done. Uh, the songwriting on it is really brilliant, really melodic, and really insightful. It has a lot to say about our culture and where America is going. And so that stuck out as another one of my albums of the year. Uh, you guys wrote in and shared some of yours. I'll read some of that now. Christabel in Singapore says uh, one of the music that stuck with her this year is the theme song to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, that really is her kind of music of the year. And I, I get that. It's, it's inspiring. It's uh, adventurous, motivating. Uh, Michael in Texas says um, mentions the song Hope Alive by John Reddick and Father's House by Corey Asbury. I don't know either of those, so I'll have to check them out, Mike. Um, and then Katrina in England said she has been listening to Shane and Shane's Vintage album. That for her, there's something about going back to some of those old songs um, that used to really stick with her, but somehow they feel new now. Maybe not new, but needed. A breath of fresh air throughout this last year for her. I totally understand that. So that's a great suggestion, Katrina. 
Um, so thanks everyone for writing in. Um, I've been really thinking a lot about music recently, so we're going to have another music question for our question of the week. And this one's a little uh, is different from the last one because if it was the same, that would be weird. Um, but I went to a, a show on Sunday. It was uh, the Behold the Lamb of God tour with Andrew Peterson and friends. One of the friends is this sort of string-based classical stroke bluegrassy kind of group called the Arcadian Wild. I always want to call them the Arcadian Fire, but that is wrong. <laughs> um, the Arcadian Wild. And I was in the mood to listen to them today, and th that led me to a playlist that I started a while ago called Best Covers. Um, Arcadian Wild has a cover of Crazy in Love by Beyonce, and it is fantastic. They also have one of Everyone Wants to Rule the World, by Tears for Fears. And that just got me thinking about the best cover songs. I feel like cover songs can be really fun. The best ones take the song and don't just do a straight up cover of it, but reinterpret it uh, with a different mood or different instrumentation, keeping the melody, but bringing something new out of it. I'm thinking of a few that really stand out to me. Uh, one is Justin Towns Earl, cover of Paul Simon's Graceland. It's a very different mood from the original, but somehow beautiful. Um, and then there's some covers that were so effective that they um, are understood as the original. Most people think of them as the original. It's the only version that they know. Uh, a couple of those. David Crowder Band's version of How He Loves. Um, Sinead O'Connor's version of Nothing Compares to You, originally a Prince song. A few others like that, where the... Um, cover has surpassed the original um with a little help from my friends the joe cocker jr one that's a cover of a beatles song so anyway my covers playlist is really really fun i like listening to it and i'm curious do you have any covers that you love times when an artist covered another artist's song and you almost prefer to listen to that version i would love to hear that so you can write in to stories and stuff with John at gmail.com, stories and stuff with John at gmail.com, or go to the anchor website for this uh, podcast and the and you can post your answer there as well. Um, otherwise, I hope you guys all have an amazing Christmas, a really fun New Year's, and I've got some really uh, fun stories lined up for the first couple of episodes in the new year, so I hope you tune back then. Um, Otherwise, see you, and thanks for listening. John, there was never an unimportant saxophone song in the 80s. They were all important. But Careless Whisper was perhaps the best. I should have known better than a cheetah friend. I mean, the words cut deep. Thank you so much for sharing, and talk to you later.